Hello and welcome to the Dismantle Racism Show, where our goal is to uncover, dismantle, and to eradicate racism. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. We really do aim on this show and in the work that we do to create a world where racial equity is the norm. Before I begin my show today and before we start with our meditation, I just want us to offer our prayers and to send our love and healing light to Thailand, where we know that over 20 children were killed uh, at a daycare center. And I believe the total, uh, at the latest total was 37 people. Our hearts go out to them, but just as we do in this country, we really do want to make sure that we are creating a world and a space where people who have mental health issues are getting the care that they need, or whether people who are not just with mental health issues, but people who have hatred in their heart or people who are in despair, whatever the situation is that they are getting the help that they need and that we really do want to create a world where we're concerned about gun violence. So not just in the United States, but throughout. So I do want to ask that we will be in communion with the folks in Thailand, that we will be indeed praying for the parents who sent their kids to school and their babies were, as young as two years old even, were uh, taken from this world. So again, I just want to offer our prayers and sending them, um, you know, just our love and our light towards them today. I want to invite us into that space of where we go into meditation just for a few moments before we start the show and before we begin to talk about ways in which we can create a world where racial equity really does exist. So I invite you, if you would, to just simply close your eyes and be present to the moment, be present to your feet on the ground, knowing that that is your foundation and connecting with your breath breathing in and out. And we know that breath is the thing that signifies the life within us. Our breath also grounds us. And so we take a deep breath in and we let that breath out, connecting with our divine source, our sacred source, reminding us that we were created from this place of love. So we are love itself and we are loved. Taking a deep breath in, breathing out, connecting with your own divinity, connecting with your ancestors, those who came before you, inviting those ancestors into this place, connecting all of who we are with our past, with our present, knowing that we are connected with not just the people in our households, but the people in our communities and in our world. So just take a deep breath in and out and envision yourself concerned for all people, connecting with all people, knowing that what you do matters. We are part of a greater ecosystem. We're all connected. So breathe in and out and not only connecting with your ancestors and this present world, but connecting with those are, who are to come after you. Realizing that you are paving the way for them. You are responsible for the world that you're leaving behind. So take a deep breath in and out connecting with your power, connecting with your courage, connecting with your commitment, connecting with your knowledge, connecting with your deep responsibility. So breathe in and out, realizing that the power of one contributes to the power of community, 
and you have the ability to change the status quo. I'll take a deep breath in, sigh it out, and let's begin. Today, I want to talk to you about a concept that I used to hear when I was younger, and of course, I hear it often now, but really, when I was a child, I used to hear this phrase, reading is fundamental. And not only does it increase our brain cells, but it provides knowledge and gives us a window into the world. The enslavers and the colonizers didn't want enslaved people to know how to read and write because they knew that the inherent power of these tools of reading and writing would allow us to expand and to excel beyond our greatest imagination. So years after the emancipation of enslaved people, limitations were still placed on us. We had inadequate books in our schools. The history books themselves, they don't really provide the truth of our nation, and they are often told from the side of the conqueror, all of which contributes to the disparities that existed and many that still exist for people of color today. It also contributes to the ignorance of many individuals in our society because we have this false narrative of who the inventors were, the creators were. We have a false narrative of our own intellectual ability. We have a false narrative that exists of what we are able to accomplish. But today we can find books out there that are written by black authors, books that are written for and about us, books that tell the truth of our nation. And to be clear that there are some books that are written also by folks of European descent that also tells the truth of this nation and tells the history of this country and the contributions of people of color. Today on our show, we really are going to take a look at uh, the books that are out there, but I'm really delighted to have on the show today, Charles Hanna. And I want to tell you a little bit about Charles Hanna before I bring him on the show. He and his wife, Michelle Lewis, are the owners of Third Eye Books, Accessories, and Gifts, LLC, which was founded in 2019 in Portland, Oregon. Their vision is to be the number one supplier of African-centered books, accessories, and gifts in the Portland metro area. They believe that their products can be used as a tool to motivate, inspire, restore, enhance a person's cultural pride, and to bring forth happiness and healing into the hearts of their customers. And their customers are not just African-American folks. It's a wide range of folks who visit their bookstores. I want to tell you a little bit more about Third Eye, though, because they value and appreciate all the ways that their products and services can be used to uplift and improve the mind, the body, and the soul of customers, their customers. They are proudly 100% Black-owned and operated business. They believe in practicing cooperative economics by giving back to their community and supporting community-based organizations that uplift and empower the Portland residents. Now, I believe that they're, they are far-reaching, not just in the Portland area. I'm really excited because in, a, in well, next month, in November, I will be going out to the Portland area and I will be able to meet with Charles and Melissa firsthand as they are hosting me. And I'm delighted to be one of their guests in Third Eye's Third Eye Book Accessory. So I want to welcome to the show today, Mr. Charles Hanna and Michelle could not be with us, but welcome, 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 Charles. I'm so happy to have you with me. Oh, thank you. It's honored to be here. So Charles, I want to begin by having you to kind of talk with me a little bit about what inspired you to open a bookstore in the first place. 
Hmm. Okay. We'll give an honor and thanks and praises to ones who came before us. Give an honor and praises to the elements and principles who keep us going forward. I start with that. Uh, I have always been a lifelong reader. I was forced to become a reader by my mother. Um, I say that really being serious because she knew that being single mom, living in the projects, uh, only child, that I needed some company. (laughs) So what she would do with me is take me everywhere with her and I would have to have something to read. And it would normally be a comic book or some sports card or something that I thought was fun. And that's where the momentum began. But what it really inspired me to open, I should say, what inspired my wife, because my wife gave this vision. This is her mesh connect. Uh, this is her purpose. Uh, and, be, and it's always has been mine too, but a business model like this, because we've there's been a void in our community of about 12 years where we had no access to black books, where we could walk into a store and look around and pick something off the shelf that wasn't there in Portland for about 12 years. So that was really the inspiration to, so we can get our books again. Cause me and my wife would take trips out of town and fill up suitcases and spend time at other people's bookstores. So we wanted to bring a bookstore to Portland. So that was our inspiration. Mm. And, you know, Charles, you're saying something that's really important here, because when I think about um, even those ads about reading is fundamental, I remember as a child that the whole purpose of that was to get young people involved and to get them reading. And just as you say, your mother wanted to give you something to Mm -hmm. inspire you and something to keep you company, you know, while you were uh, with her or, or if you were alone or whatever the case may be. Because reading does take us to another world. And as you're describing, um, you know, a little bit of your your childhood, it could take you somewhere other than growing up in the projects as well. Yes. Right. Yeah. And and what I think is so interesting about reading, especially as I was sort of sharing in the beginning how they tried to keep it from us Mm -hmm. when we were uh, an enslaved people, the, the truth of the matter is the whole writing and hieroglyphics started in the Egyptian culture. So it started Mm -hmm. with us, but it's interesting how things sort of got shifted around a little Mm -hmm. bit and the narrative began to be told differently. Right. Yeah. And and took a little bit of the, the power away, so to speak, but Charles, we actually have to take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, if you could talk to us a little bit about, you know, what are, what are some of the things that you, um, the progress of opening mm-hmm. bookstores, yes. what the bookstore, what has been some of the, the challenges and what have been some of the rewards mm-hmm. of opening the bookstore. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back today with my guest, Charles Hanna. This is the Dismantle Racism Show. We'll be right back. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your conscious consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you 
on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. We're back with the Dismantle Racism Show. My guest today is Charles Hanna, uh, co-owner of Third Eye Books and Accessories. Charles, talk to me a little bit mm-hmm. about the some of the challenges that you've experienced, because I, I imagine that there are challenges with just opening a Black yeah. bookstore, period, and then COVID hit the very next yeah. year. Yeah, it's been real quite the journey. Um this is our second location. Our first location, we started before the pandemic hit. We took a trip to Kemet, or some people call it Egypt, uh, to explore with Queen of Fua, the 16 different sites and temples and things like this. And when we got back, uh, COVID was really rampant and everything closed down, of course, and they sold the building. So we had to move. And actually, we were just getting ready to launch our business, but we had to pull back put it in storage, kind of really in storage. And as they say, pivot the business model more to an online model and and things like this. Uh, One of the biggest challenges is something you led with at the start. Uh, And I had to break the word down to see what it really was. Uh, Reading is fundamental. Reading is not fun. So that's what we're trying to, our biggest challenges to make reading fun, mm-hmm. to where make reading interesting again. Uh, as you alluded to, uh, our ancestors were forbidding to read. Mm-hmm. You know, eyes gouged out, hands chopped up, all those wicked things about just obtaining information. So I'm just looking at the word fundamental. Mm-hmm. Fun at the first part, the does in the middle, but the mentals in the end, at the mm-hmm. end. So Mm -hmm. it has to lead to something. So our challenge is to make reading fun. Mm -hmm. Our challenge is to make, I would say, popular, make reading sexy, Mm -hmm. to make reading uh, like it means adds to something. So that's one of our biggest challenges. It's not even the money, because if I tell a parent, if here's, 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 here's not the challenge. There isn't a parent who wants to do for their child. If their child wants to be a scientist, if they find a book about the kids like parents will buy the book. My challenge is to find those books for the parents to buy. That's mm-hmm. the, one of the biggest challenge. Another challenge is ignorance out here. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a fellow came to the bookstore and you come to our bookstore. We do have a lot of authors of all different backgrounds, but we highlight black and brown authors. Mm-hmm. He looks on the table. He says, hmm, you only do uh, black authors. I'm like, no, we do other authors too. Then he said, well, my favorite author is he, went to some 18th century white author and we all know him. And then he asked me who my favorite author was. And I told him James Baldwin. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, he looked at me and I think it was out of ignorance. He said he didn't know who James Baldwin was. Mm-hmm. Which I same, find incredulous. At the same that time, he, at the same right. time he tucked his tail and ran away from the table mm-hmm. because he wasn't ready to understand it. Or he did know, but didn't want to face the fact that there's other uh, master writers out there. Mm. So the, one of the biggest challenges is let folks know that there's black people who do write good books, mm-hmm. black people who write award-winning books, mm-hmm. you know, so just to get those books out there, there's so many books out right now. I tell people there's 10 to 12,000 books every Tuesday that's published, you know, we can't possibly have them all, but you know, with books like this, you know, we can keep, <laughs> yes. but how we found your book, 
<laughs> is is this how through the grapevine yeah. and things like this. So there's challenges of finding books, but I guess the rewards always outweigh the challenges for me mm-hmm. because we're inspiring people to uh, do things that's never been done before. We're that's inspiring. We we are uh, empowering ourselves to be uh, a problem solver in our community. Well, it's interesting that so so let's go back to this. Um, mm-hmm. it, really, you're opening everyone's eyes because even that gentleman who came in and said he didn't know who James Baldwin was, even if he tucked his tail and ran out, I hope that it put a seed there that mm. you should know who James Baldwin is. Because one of the things when we're deconstructing race and de- deconstructing racism, mm-hmm. basically, um, I remember when I worked in a high school. And I was telling these groups of teachers that we have to teach more than just William Shakespeare. I remember using the word just William Shakespeare because the English teacher went just William Shakespeare. Like, oh, my gosh, like that. Right. (laughs) And I said, yes, there are other people that we can use to teach our kids how to read and how to write. So we have this idea of what perfect writing is. Mm -hmm. We have the, because even when we think about what's an award-winning book, Mm -hmm. an award-winning book might be something written in a completely different dialect that speaks to the heart of the people that it's serving, right? Mm -hmm. And so I know that one of the things though, and I'd love for you to tell us how things changed in your bookstore, particularly after George Floyd was murdered, Mm. because I know your area it's yes. predominantly a white area, correct? Yes, yes. Uh-huh. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, our bookstore was in place before George Floyd. Right. We positioned ourselves as always as a business to be able to supply information to people who need it. Mm-hmm. We consider our bookstore as like a, a trading outpost. Uh, it's like, just say if you were lost in a desert and you were looking for whatever resource you need and over the horizon, you've seen our blinking sign. Mm-hmm. There was some, we want some sort of, okay, this might be the place where I can find my, what I need to carry my journey on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're like a, a trading post, but after the murder of George Floyd and all the civil unrest and uprisings and, and Portland was very peculiar because we kept it going up here. Folks kept it going. It was on the national news and it was very isolated incidents and very small contained, but folks still kept the story going, which I'm glad they did. Mm -hmm. What our bookstore gave was an opportunity for people to come in and talk and meet. Mm -hmm. Not so much about George Floyd, not so much about the civil unrest, but to have conversations. Uh, our Portland is on the map as probably as one of the places that people visit from all around the country. Mm-hmm. And we knew this right away when we took up, we have a big map. When you come into our store, you have a chance to put a pin on the map of where you come from around the country. We've had people from every state, about seven countries visit our store. And this one story just, just really interests me about how we need to do things more like this. It was a white couple from Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. They were on vacation. They came into the store and they were kind of hesitant. They looked around and they asked a question. It was a simple question about what's good and what's hot and all that stuff. And so we started having a conversation. At the end of the conversation, she said this was the first time she's ever had a conversation with somebody who didn't look like her in her entire life. Like, Wow. And I say that to remind people there's pockets of people who don't talk to black people, who don't Mm -hmm. talk to white people, not because they don't, because they're just not in proximity. Mm -hmm. Or when they do talk to somebody black or brown, it's on a transactional basis. Thank you. How much is this? Thank you. Have a good day. All that transactional stuff. But Mm -hmm. sit down conversating about a topic where no one gets kind of angry or upset but you're sharing of information sharing of story they had never done that before and our bookstore gave them the opportunity to not ask the probing questions but ask the questions they needed to be answered 
That's right. And and Charles, I want to just say something mm-hmm. about that as we because as we talk about mm-hmm. um, conversations, interracial yeah. dialogue, sometimes there are basic things that people want to know about yes. one another, and we have to create that safe space yeah. for people to be able to do that. And I believe that when people walk into your bookstore, mm-hmm. even though they're the books are by mm-hmm. black and brown people, ma- the majority. I think the atmosphere is inviting yes, to say, thank come, you. have yeah. this conversation because you have to be able to share with people what the book is about, mm-hmm. right? You don't just buy these random books and don't no. know anything about it. So you are actually bridging the racial divide mm. in the work that you do. I know that um, there's also, and I want to talk about this in a, in a bit, this this idea of culture, culture armor, mm-hmm. but you in portland uh-huh. you're bridging the racial divide as a matter of fact um I, you, you and i know some mutual peoples um uh, mutual white people in particular who've talked we who, who who really kind of helped to introduce us to one another right yeah. but we know that those people are doing some critical work as it relates to dismantling yeah. racism and that and that the conversations that we have with them is very useful. So I want to thank you for the work that you're doing and for being bold mm. and creating in, in this bookstore. And and I'm sorry that Michelle is not with us, but yeah. for the vision that she followed that was placed on her by God and the ancestors, mm-hmm. like to um to to do this because I want this to be an inspiration to other folks too yeah. who want to start a business or who want to do uh, something magnificent like you're doing. You're doing it where the odds would say, no, don't do it because there won't be enough people interested. And that's proven to be false. That is true. Thank you for saying that, sister, because you're right. We are in a, we're like 10%, not even 10% of the population here in Oregon. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, Portland is real small. Uh, We are in the largest, whitest city in America. Uh, what we're trying to do is show people that you can be unashamedly, unapologetically black yeah, and still embrace your humanity and loving the planet, loving, mm-hmm. loving the bees, loving mm-hmm. people, loving mm-hmm. water, all those things to contribute to make this a better place. Um, I kind of tell people I, I'm really stuck in history mm-hmm. because I, history builds my foundation of facts where I can keep continuing to grow on and things like this. Uh, I, I stopped arguing about a lot of things like now, like uh, I can tell you right now that African people invented writing. So mm-hmm. we've been writing books for a long time. Mm-hmm. I can tell you by scientific evidence that we invented paper, <laughs> the pen. So we've been writing a long time. Mm-hmm. For me, myself, I have gained the skill of reading the hieroglyphs. I can write the hieroglyphs. I can use those ancient language and stories and build them forward. But at Mm -hmm. the same time, I want to take the new stories of people and authors and make sure they're available for people in our bookstore. Because one thing has happened is our bookstore is set up where books will find you. Yes. You know, you won't come into our bookstore and run to the fiction section or get lost in a sci-fi section. Well, here it is. You'll find the sci-fi books, but along the way, Toni Morrison will say hi to you. Octavia <laughs> Butler will wave to you. Uh, yes. All those my well, Angel will wave to you. She has her own spot. You know, <laughs> she has right. her own place. Well, Charles, we we do have to take a, a, yeah. a quick break, but you know, you just reminded me of James Baldwin because James Baldwin said we're trapped in our history and our history mm. is trapped in us. And it's about what we decide to do with that awakening and understanding yes. how deeply connected we are with our history. When we come back, Charles, I do want to talk about this idea of cultural armor and how books can be used to equip us. Equip yes. us. Uh, with that. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with my guest today, Charles Hanna. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? 
Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. back with my guest today, Charles Hanna. And Charles, before the break, I was asking you about this idea of cultural armor. How how do uh, books uh, inform us or equip us to have this cultural armor that we need to kind of protect and guide us in this world? Okay, well, let me tease it out a little bit. Um, Books give us strength. Books give us information. Um, one thing with children and illiteracy, what has proven the only difference between high achieving children and children who don't achieve is the amount of words in between they have. So, and that's far as an adults, mm-hmm. uh, if you ever been in a conversation with somebody and the conversation is real short, they don't have a lot of things to talk about. It's more likely because they don't read a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not saying they can't read and things like this. So when it comes to cultural armor and being who you are, uh, there's a saying of knowledge, know thyself. Right. Know thyself was so important that in ancient Kemet, it was written on entrances of a temple. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. when you came into the building, you, you looked up and you seen know thyself. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's talking about knowing who you are as an individual, knowing your own things you do. And there's a good a quote from a book that kind of leads me for here's quotes from a book that kind of helped me <laughs> steer me going. And it's a book, uh, one, one of the more popular books called think and grow rich, you yeah. know, it's a think and grow rich from a back choice. And, but this is from Napoleon Hill. He says, tell the world what you intend to do, but first show it. Mm. See, mm-hmm. if I told everybody I was going to build a bookstore, people are like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a nice idea. Nice idea. And it probably wouldn't have been done. Right. So now, so now you can walk inside of the bookstore. Mm -hmm. And here's the second part to that is there are no limitations to the mind except those we acknowledge. Yes. And so what that does, it helps me prepare my brain to know that I can achieve anything. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the point. When I was over in ancient Kemet and the Giza Plateau, I put my hand on the Great Pyramid. Mm-hmm. Actually, we went inside of the Great Pyramid. Actually, we went inside of the King's Chamber and had a great experience. So we were inside of these things that were built by African people. Yes. yeah. It's so amazingly, they can't even take it apart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because if they could take it apart, it would be taken apart. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they built something that we can't even imagine now, but we can still see it every day. It's yeah, one so- of the seven wonders of the world. And I think it's so amazing because even as I was talking about the 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 enslavers mm-hmm. trying to 
keep us from learning how to read and to write. I was thinking about the fact that, wait a minute, even before we knew anything about reading and writing, yeah. our our divine selves knew how to construct and Great. to do these amazing things like the pyramids and like mm-hmm. the hieroglyphics. So it really just goes to show that even when you try to destroy us, mm-hmm. even when you try to take it away, that that the divineness of us, mm-hmm. that our sacred selves are more powerful than we can even imagine. And so I love the fact that it says, know thyself, because mm-hmm. if we know the power that we have inside of us, there's nothing that anyone mm-hmm. can do to take that away from us. And, you know, I, I, I'm thinking about as you, as you're talking yeah. about, uh, you know, Kemet and you're talking about, uh, just, just the, the ancient, uh, hieroglyphics and pyramids and all that Asa Hillard comes to mind who wrote mm-hmm. the reawakening of the African mind, right? Mm-hmm. Just the idea of the more we know, the more knowledge we have, the mm-hmm. more empowered we are. And I mm-hmm. think, that's one of the things that you're yeah. talking about with this cultural armor that we have mm-hmm. this, this this sort of shield around yeah. us that protects us from the outside world mm-hmm. and that also empowers us at it the is. same time. And there's two symbols that we really gravitate to that actually people are starting to really gravitate to. The first one is is a symbol that I usually wear every day is yes. the punk. Yes. Now, this is the most popular symbol that you can find in Kemet. It mm-hmm. was so, I think our ancestors wanted to know this symbol because it's written everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. means life. Yes. Life. Speaking life. And it's a representation of the, of whatever. But I wouldn't even go in that deep real quick. But another symbol is the eye of Haru, our, mm-hmm. our, our logo. Mm-hmm. It's an eye that's pointed left or the right, depending on which way you look at it. Mm-hmm. One means all encompassing and one means a real, real sharp vision. Mm-hmm. A real clear, intentional, sharp vision of what we need to have. I wear this as part of my armor. Uh, you see my my cultural gear as part of my armor. And what this does, it tells people from the outside that, hey, this guy's got something on that is yeah. interesting. That's right. You know, so people will ask, people will see. But what it gives off is a, as a, a feeling of culture with me, myself. Mm-hmm. Because black designer or things, mm-hmm. I try to wear things that kind of equip me with some, I can talk about where they came from or what it does for me, uh, my my jewelry, my amulets, whatever you think. And so that's part of the first layer that you see. Mm-hmm. I'm say mm-hmm. the second layer. The first layer is me. The second layer is what I wear. The third layer will be definitely the books that I bring to the puzzle about mm-hmm. anything and how to shape my mindset, how to shape my vision, because right. I always want to be true to who I am and to who my people are and, pe- and to who my people were and mm-hmm. to who my people is. Mm-hmm. So it's that point. It's not about trying to be this cultural representative. It's to let other folks know that this dude knows his stuff. Well, I think, but, but I think it's about being authentically who you yes. are. Because mm-hmm. for so long, when we've entered into uh, particularly white spaces, we've mm-hmm. had to be mindful of what yeah. we wore or put on. Or am I looking too Afrocentric? Eh? Blah 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 mm-hmm. blah blah. And and you know, it's so interesting because I can remember um, even as a graduate student when I would go and teach classes, and this was at a predominantly white university. I had to think about what I put on, and I hated it. Yeah. I wanted to walk in what I wanted to walk in with, mm-hmm. but I also knew that if I were going into the space to teach a group of students, they had to be able to hear me first mm. before passing yeah. a judgment on, on who I am as an individual. Now, of course I show up how I show up because yeah. I'm just, you know, something happens with age, but also I have a different uh, practice now. Yeah. I'm doing something differently. I mean, obviously, if I'm talking about dismantling racism, people pretty much expect me. However, I show up is how how I show up, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. But I want us to understand something in this 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 culture of white supremacy. What mm. you just said. Yeah. There are places that if you walked in with this on. Mm-hmm. There's there's something that happens for folks and it yeah. makes them feel uncomfortable sometimes. Folks have to examine their own stuff. 
because while it might make them feel uncomfortable, it's giving you your cultural armor. And I think yeah. that that's beautiful. It's grounding you in who you are. Yeah. I want to ask you, um, you know, an, another question in terms of just thinking about um, all of the things that have happened to us. You know, you talk about your bookstore being a way of healing basically mind, body, and soul. It's mm-hmm. a way of connecting with all of that. Um, how, how, what other sort of um, healing modalities mm. would you say help to kind of generate, you know, this, right. this, this uh, strength and purpose in the Black culture? Okay, great. If you step into the bookstore at 2518 Southeast 33rd, right here in Portland, Oregon, you're going to experience a couple of things. One of the things you're going to experience right off is that it's going to smell different than any other store that you're going to step in today because we burn incense. We burn uh, the incense that takes you back to Big Mama's house, the incense that takes you back to home, incense that, I wish I could burn this on my job, that type mm-hmm. of stuff. We're going to have some sage, some incense. The next thing you're going to see is you're going to hear something that you'd never hear in any other bookstores. Smooth jazz. R&B, some reggae, some black voices, no voices, but you will not hear the elevator music. (laughs) You will not hear that. Another thing that we're going to affect you with is the vision. You're going to come in right away. And this is where the breaking part is for a lot of folks is because some folks walk into the bookstore and we know who you are, is you'll look around and you'll look to attempt to find yourself anywhere, especially if you're a white person, you'll try to find yourself. And there's no pictures of white people anywhere in our bookstore. That's not by plan. This is who we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time, if you're not comfortable with that fact of being surrounded by blackness, you will leave right away. And mm-hmm. folks do just that. Folks mm-hmm. come in our bookstore and look at one rack and says, okay, thank you. Have a good day. I'm like, wow, I've never been to a bookstore to look at one rack and just left. So it's that feeling of comfort, and I tell, I told somebody this the other day, I says, I says, when you go to another business today, see if you see any of the black people on their walls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, then count the number of businesses you walk into to see if there's any representation of black and brown people on your walls. Mm-hmm. If there's not, ask the question why, especially if you use a lot of money there and spend a lot of money there because it goes back to the Spike Lee movie. You know, do the right thing. We're spending right. money in here. We need representation. And well, it, and it's so interesting because one of the things I do in, in the classes that I mm-hmm. teach, is I tell my white participants, uh, and I tell all of my participants, but since the majority of them are white, is I, because I go around, look at the tapestry mm. and look and see who's represented and who's not represented on the walls. Actually, there's a phrase for it. It's called micro, uh, environmental microaggressions, mm. right? That when you walk into a place and all you see is white people there is actually telling you your place in mm. society. So it's interesting that um, just like I believe it was Toni Morrison, people said, well, you don't write with white characters. Or for she's <laughs> like, I'm, I, the, enough of those books are out there, right? She'd made no apologies for uh, writing black characters and writing about her life and it's interesting that folks want us to change our stuff to be accommodating mm-hmm. we also have to take um another break and when we return from the break i'd love for you just to talk about why it's important for folks to shop at black owned uh bookstores so and we'll be yeah. right back to hear your answer to that this is the dismantle racism show we'll be right back Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. 
Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about help to advocate for all of us. Calling all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. We're back with my guest today, Charles Hanna. Charles, before um, we get into why people should support Black-owned mm-hmm. bookstores, tell me a little bit about who some of the guests are that you've had to come out, because you host authors oh, who come out and do book talks, and you know, you've had a, an opportunity to meet some wonderful um, yes. authors that are out there. Yeah, that is, it's part of the one of the rewards of the job, I think, is is meeting people that that you want to meet. You know, there's some great people out here. Uh, but as far as authors and book writers and stuff like this, I, I put all y'all in the same boat. Y'all all are amazing because you can put your words down on paper and tell a story. Uh, we've had everybody from local authors who published one book, and we've had local authors who published award-winning books uh Keisha Jose Fisher's book No God Like the Mother she won Oregon Book Award for 2020 uh for fiction uh this sister wrote a powerful book but it's during COVID epidemic the Mm -hmm. pandemic so what we did as a bookstore we had to have her come in as our first guest author yeah we had to have her and in locally we have uh David Walker David F Walker who's a comic book brilliant writer who wrote uh, Eisner Award winning the Black Panther graphic novel from Portland. You know, he's teamed up with some people around in the industry. At the same time this summer, we've had, uh, we hosted uh, Brother Resma Minikin, mm-hmm. uh, New York Times bestselling author of Grandmother's Hands, his new book, The Quaking of America. We had a chance to host him, do a great event. You know, here I am thinking, we've read these books and now we're talking to the people and yeah. things like this. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, when you come out, uh, I was looking at our calendar just for, we got about 15 events before the end of the year. Yeah. That's, that, that's going to be so powerful uh, with whew, uh, just some people that I've always admired from the the founding father, founding member of the Portland Panthers you know, mm-hmm. he comes to my bookstore every day. Mr. Mr. Ford, Mr. Mm-hmm. Kent Ford comes to the bookstore about every week. He's one of the founding members of the Black Panther Party in the 60s. Mm-hmm. And I get a message yesterday that Erica Huggins, the mm-hmm. national member, national leader of the Black Panther Party is going to come to the bookstore. Yes. So we're getting traction of getting folks in. Uh, we just got named the second best bookstore in Portland. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited. Congratulations. About Thank you. And people always say, well, who's the first bookstore? Well, I say this. Do you know who beat Michael Phelps and Usain Bolt for 12 years? No one beat them in 12 years in Olympics. So someone came up in second place and has a silver medal that no one knows about. Mm -hmm. I'm that person. I'm so happy. So Mm -hmm. grateful to be honored. Even in the company of those names I mentioned before. Even in the bookstore, who's number one, you know, I'm so happy and grateful that we are able to do things that we didn't think was possible, but we didn't set no limits on our mind, though. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's because you you have that cultural armor to tell you who you are. We still have a mission to finish. We still have a story to tell. There's still books who need to get out there in people's hands. Uh, I have a mantra every day that I kind of say to myself. 
it's today I'm is today the day I sell a book that's going to change the world. Yes, yes. And so, so go ahead. And that's a powerful, powerful question. Well, I want to be sure though before our time runs out, tell us why people should support Black bookstores and how the mm. best way to support. Why support Black bookstores? Because we're Black business. We inspire the future. We generate tax revenue. We employ people. We give back into the community. We're going to bring you books that you probably never thought of before. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're going to supply a a Black business model because we try to empower other Black folks to do business with us. Uh, It's very important that you don't even have to spend money to support Black business. Share their page. Share their story. Visit the website thirdeyebag.com. Follow us online. Give us some feedback. But it's really important to use your money. And I tell people this. In these times, we have to be careful and budget our money. Mm -hmm. So you can budget your liberation right now. You can Mm -hmm. set aside $50 to $60 and find some books that will change your life. This book, Afro Guides, Minimalist Tools, Guide to Living with Less, kind of changed my life because Mm -hmm. I had so much excess. And so... That was a, a thing that our ancestors really didn't have a lot here in America to mm-hmm. celebrate excess. Now, as a upwardly mobile African-American, I can pretty much buy the things that I want, but mm-hmm. I'm only trying to buy the things that I need right now. Right. And right. stuff like this. So we need your support to come uplift Black business so we can do the bigger job. Right now, we're having a fundraiser, so we're trying to raise funds to enable us to get a bookmobile so mm-hmm. we can move out in the community. We're trying to build access into a, a better ramp into a ramp into our store. We're doing free libraries, things like that. So we like to say, increase the access, make more books available to children and families and, and adults. But at the same time, prop us as a business model for others to inspire by. I tell black folks, either have the service, a product, or some type of craft to give back here in this society right now, because it's really needed right now. So mm-hmm. when you buy from us, it empowers us to do better things. Well, and, and you know, what I'm also hearing, so a lot of times, I especially as I'm teaching, folks will say, well, who should I donate to? What should I do? Because there are lots of organizations mm-hmm. out there doing things. And I'll say, you know what? This is one of the ways in which we can create racial equity to be able to help black business owners out to increase because we want to increase economically uh, the wealth in black communities. Mm -hmm. Well, this is one way of supporting it. Find a black owned business. But the beauty of of supporting a black owned bookstore is because you can support by donating, but you can also support by getting the books reading the books and changing your life, changing your perspective Mm -hmm. of black people, of people of color. And also you can help to inspire other young people in the way that you're saying. So for folks out there who are always wondering, well, what can I do Mm -hmm. to dismantle racism? This is one of the things that you can do. You can support third eye bookstore. And And what people are doing, which is real, which is real cool is they're talking to their employers Mm-hmm. T- they want the workplace to change. Yes. So they have identified books. They started book clubs in the workplace. And mm-hmm. it says, we can find a black owned bookstore to supply these books. Would you buy them? And employers are saying, wow, we never knew there was one out there. Mm-hmm. Yes. Get him. We mm-hmm. have billion dollar corporations coming to our small bookstore, getting small quantities of books. At the same time, this billion dollar corporation just yesterday ordered 100 books from us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So right now we're starting to get some interest from school districts to say, hey, you can get all our books for us, all our texts. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we're expanding our reach and letting folks know that we are here. We're not going anywhere. But at the same time, their patronage really helps us further our mission to because we started with one small crate, milk crate of books. Wow. Now we have a store, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 how we became a store is out of response from the people. Mm-hmm. We were just setting up at a vending at a church at a table. And the questions were, do you guys have a store? Do you guys have a store? This mm-hmm. was on the first vending event. Yeah. So we knew right away the community needed a store. Right. So we got right. them a bookstore that they can walk into. Hopefully at one point you'll be able to sit down a little bit. It's kind of small right now. 
mm-hmm. you can stand and look around and feel happy and proud. I would say this is so exciting when black people come step inside our bookstore at the same time, it's real sad is when they cry because we haven't had anything like this in such a long time. So it's that cry of beauty of grace and they finally found them a place where they can say, <sighs> well, I see that. I, I think rather than seeing it as sad, I see it as joy yeah. that they've come home. Yeah. They've come home and you've created yeah. that space for them to come home. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I want to say to our listening audience today, as we're preparing to wrap up any book that you need, yeah. walk into your local bookstore and say your local black bookstore and say, can you get this for yeah. me? Now I do believe in supporting local businesses in yeah, general, yeah. but you could also go to your local white bookstores and say, Hey, get this book for me. Mm-hmm. Right. That's important to know too, because not every book, yeah. uh, town has um, a black bookstore, but walk into your local bookstore. We try store. to say, go to somebody independently owned. That's Okay. Great. <laughs> Go to somebody. Find somebody independently owned. You'll support them if you can't find. And I tell people this: if there's a book that that a big corporation has that's going to change the world, buy that book and change the world. Stop waiting for that book to come on sale to change the world. Sometimes you just need to just get it and just change the world. Don't get it from the big corporation because it's two dollars less. That that's I, I don't like that part. Don't Amen. tell me. Don't Amen. don't tell me that the big corporation has it for $24 and I'm selling it for 26. I'm going to yeah. tell you, I can't compete with the price margin of a billion dollar corporation, but if you're going to well, let. And, and, and not only that, Charles, mm-hmm. go, they can not buy a cup of coffee or a donut at Dunkin Donuts and go that ahead part. and buy the book. But Charles, we have to end our yeah. conversation. Oh, I can't wait for you to come. I, I can't wait for you to oh, be I'm here. So, I'm so excited to come Charles. And I'm so appreciative for you being on Thank the show you. today. I want to thank my listeners. Please go out and support your local book stores, independently owned bookstores. And please check out Third Eye Bookstore because you can also order online yeah. as well. And so I invite you to stay tuned for the Conscious Consultant Hour with Sam Leibowitz, where he helps you to walk through life with the greatest of ease and joy. May today you tap into that sacred part of you that allows you to make choices that will manifest your greatness and the greatness of those around you. Know that we're all one and we exist because of one another. Make it a priority to share love, hope, compassion, and peace today. Be well, be safe, be encouraged. Until next time, bye for now. business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. on edge hey we live in challenging edgy times so let's lean in i'm sandra bargeman the host of the edge of every day which airs each monday at 7 p.m eastern time on talkradio.nyc tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges that's the edge of every day on mondays at 7 p.m eastern time on talkradio.nyc all pet lovers pet avengers assemble on the professionals and animal lovers show we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong it mirrors that bond between pets and their owners through this program we come together to learn educate and advocate 
Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 